0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo sit down and talk about some movies. So let's talk about some movies. And Boo, this is your month to pick all the movies we watch in the heart of our Mobster Movie Month.
1: Mob Movie March, yeah, that's correct. And again, I chose another film that I haven't seen. You've seen this movie before, right?
0: Yeah, so this movie... I think the last time I saw it, I was probably like 15. I actually I don't even I don't even know because th- I think I saw this when Netflix became a thing, like when Netflix streaming first started. Whenever it was on there the first time, I think that's when I saw it, and that's been many years.
1: All right, yeah. So this was brand new to me. I kind of wanted to incorporate some new movies and some of my favorites. So we're watching The Untouchables today, which. Last night, this morning, was technically the first time I've ever seen this movie. And it was a good movie.
0: I I got a question for you. What did you think the movie was when you picked it? Because we're doing, you know, mobster movies for for the whole month. But this movie takes place on the other side of the law. As, like, we're following federal agents, law enforcement, things like that, and not gangsters.
1: Yeah, I kind of wanted to see something a little bit different because we watched Once Upon a Time in America and we see the gang being built from the ground up. And kind of coming into this movie, I was like, wait, that's it? There's no more story? I was like, I think I was so used to <laughs> the four hours that we had in the first movie.
0: That, that is how good that movie is. It, it made you used to a four hour runtime.
1: I, I was. I was like, wait, that's it? There's no more story? But... Yeah, I kind of wanted to go from seeing a gang being built to a gang in a different town running and operating during the same time, because this is about the same time as Once Upon a Time in America, and it's 1930, so they're still dealing with Prohibition. And it was interesting to kind of see it from the law's perspective, because in this movie... There's only a few good men in the law uh, the law business, and the rest are kind of corrupt. Yeah, I mean, because this movie we're following... Oh my god, there's so many people in this movie. It's Sean Connery. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Robert, Robert De, De, Niro. De Niro.
0: So, The Untouchables, and it follows the story of Elliot Ness, who's the famous lawman who...
1: Is played by Kevin Costner.
0: Played by Kevin Costner, who, is, who builds up his own kind of police force to try and take down Al Capone, played by Robert De Niro. Yeah. During the height of Prohibition. And it's loosely, um, the biggest air quotes America can provide, loosely based on true events.
1: Yeah, the story is kind of in the fantasy realm because (laughs) Elliot Ness and Al Capone never came face to face.
0: Yeah, they never met, I don't think Elliot Ness ever fired a gun. No. Other than like police training. I think It's pretty well documented that he would go on patrol with an empty holster.
1: Yeah, he was very anti-gun. He would walk around at the sheriff's station with nothing in his holster. And it's kind of like, we see a little bit of that in this movie.
0: (laughs) Yes, but but we see it after he blows away like five dudes.
1: Yeah, so it goes from him being this, I don't believe in this, to the gunslinger.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And and beyond that, the untouchables in this movie, it's Elliot Ness and three other people. Mm Mm-hmm. In real life, the Untouchables were, like, ten dudes.
1: Yeah, it was a much bigger group of people, and I don't think any of them died. I mean, it was this whole thing with... I mean, if we're going to talk history, it was this whole thing with Capone where the Untouchables were, yeah, in fact, untouchable because he knew if any of them died or got injured, he would be going to prison for assaulting or killing a federal officer. Yeah,
0: he knew he could buy people off for, like, bootlegging. He couldn't buy people off for... Well, we gangland murdered, like, four federal agents because mm-hmm. they were, you know, pissing me off. Couldn't couldn't buy that one out.
1: No. So that's why in this movie it's more fantasy where it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to come, you know, face to face and want to fight in the middle of the hotel. But in reality it was like, no, I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to go get myself in trouble by offing one of these guys. So I'm telling all my guys... You see him, don't touch him, leave him alone. We don't need that kind of, you know, business on us right now.
0: Yeah, and and sorry we're kind of holding on to the um, real world history of this this action crime drama. Yeah. But it's really weird because the history of it really feeds into the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Because I think it suspects that you know who Al Capone and Elliot Ness are. Because, like, I think people know who Al Capone is, right? Yeah. Like, he's definitely permeated enough of culture, you've heard the name before. But Elliot Ness, if it were not for Tupac Shakur, I would have no idea what that name was involved in.
1: Yeah, I I didn't know who Elliot Ness was before I watched this movie. And after, I was like, okay, I did some research. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's his history. But, yeah, everyone more or less knows Al Capone. And that was kind of one of the things that...
0: (laughs) Drew you in?
1: Drew me in, but I was also a little disappointed that we didn't get a lot of Al Capone in the movie.
0: Yeah, uh, Robert De Niro is playing Al Capone, and this is... I want to say this is um, that phase in De Niro's career in 1987, where we are firmly in de niro not caring unless it's in a a scorsese movie i mean or not 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 that mean i mean he's chewing the scenery
1: well he's you know this is de niro method acting i mean that was kind of what i found most interesting was doing the research about this movie the fact that he was able to track down the original tailors of al capone and get suits made that were identical to his he wore like silk boxers i mean he was really getting into the mentality of Al Capone and, you know, embodying this character, which I liked, but I felt like we needed a lot more of Al Capone in the movie.
0: Because he's in three, four scenes, and I think all those scenes combined make up 20 minutes, maybe, of this two-hour movie?
1: About. And I mean, one of them is historically accurate, which would be the- The, the baseball the, scene? The baseball scene, yeah. But I felt like we needed more, even though I know The Untouchables is supposed to be about
0: The, the Untouchables. Untouchables.
1: But it's just like, it felt like there needed to be more of a balance in between the Untouchables and Capone and his men.
0: Y- you wanted the whole thing where we spend maybe not equal amount of time, but enough time to where we describe, okay, Capone is a threatening force mm-hmm. and they he is in direct odds with them. Everybody and- is in
1: his pocket. And yeah. it's just kind of just to see how he has his grip on Chicago. And it's like, we really didn't. They kind of I- just keep him... Kind of in the shadows, like, they talk about him, we get a glimpse of him. Well, we do
0: get a sense that he's, he's, one, we know he's dangerous. We have a whole scene dedicated to showing that he's a cold-bloody killer. Yeah. And we do get a sense that he has everyone in his pocket, everybody talks about it, but it's really like the main menace is his like hitman. Yeah, that's killing everybody. Like he doesn't really interact with the Untouchables directly and get in I their mean, way.
1: The hitman, I had to do research because I've seen him before. Yeah, and it was driving me crazy. I know he's been in a lot of movies, but he was in the music video for Michael Jackson "You Rock My World," and really, that music video is kind of like set like it's almost like Smooth Criminal where it's like gangsters.
0: It's a, yeah, it's supposed to look like a swingy gangster era. Yeah,
1: and in this uh, music video, he's in it. He's one of like the lead bad guys. Michael Madsen's also in it. Um, oh my god, uh, Marlon Brando is the mob boss in it. So I was kind of like, when I was watching this, I'm like, oh my god, this is you rock my world, and I was thinking Smooth Criminal because he wears the white suit. Yeah. So I was just like, oh wow, you know, I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out when did Smooth Criminal come out to kind of like piece it together. But it was interesting to see him as the hitman in this movie when I've only seen him in a music video. And I was like, he was really good.
0: Yeah, uh, I believe the actor's name is Billy Drago. Yeah. Which also, like, that's his real name. That man was born to play villains. And um,
1: apparently that was most of what he did in his acting life. He was the villain and he did it really well.
0: He worked really well. He was the most intimidating presence in the film, more so than De Niro's Capone, which feels bad because de niro is is definitely going for a performance he is yeah. trying i think it's a thing where you know it might be my thing where it's like he feels like kind of hamming it up a little bit you know he's really playing into the whole mm-hmm. like hey guys i'm robert de niro being mm-hmm. al capone fucking this is cool right mm-hmm. like yeah i don't know but the real standout of this movie and i think we can both agree on this is sir sean connery
1: absolutely yes my favorite part of the movie
0: uh, and a lot you, of people's. And
1: you know, I love De Niro so much.
0: Yes, yes. You are a De Niro apologist. Every De Niro performance has some merit.
1: But, but... Sean Connery was amazing. And he was him. I'm <laughs> like, this is Sean Connery being Sean Connery.
0: Um, I mean, I don't think Sean Connery was as racist against Italians in real Not life. Not racist,
1: but badass.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. You can say he's badass. But yes, because um, Sean Connery, he plays the Irish beat cop Jim Malone. And that
1: talks with a Scottish accent.
0: I know. it,
1: And the people get so mad, and it's like, that's Sean Connery. It's like, shut up. Well,
0: it's the same thing, because of, I think the year before this, he's in Highlander. Yeah. And he's playing a the Spaniard, um, Ramirez, but he talks like that. Because, of course, it's Sean Connery. He will not attempt anything else.
1: It's Sean Connery. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just watch Sean Connery being the badass that he is. Funny. The, him and um andy garcia who was playing uh george uh, stone george stone and just seeing them you know kind of fight when they first meet each other and he was like you know what i like you okay welcome to the team
0: <laughs> yeah because because all the good character moments are with sean connery
1: yeah all the like
0: dramatic elements sean connery's in the scene yeah the entire movie is basically sean connery being the obi-wan kenobi to Ke- uh kevin costner's Elliott ness and like taking him under his wing, he's, like, now I'm going to show you the Chicago way. And it's like and that's the whole movie. It's And
1: it's... Andy Garcia, George Stone is Han Solo.
0: I'm Not everything is Star Wars, but that might be close. Wait a minute. Then what's the uh then then what about Oscar, the the, the accountant guy? 3 P O. Oh, you're just saying like he's the nerd character. You absolute he's savage. He's smart. You absolute savage. He's
1: smart. He knows things. <laughs>
0: He's like, I, I count numbers and I know things, but that's, uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Like he, Sean Connery is like the true st- standout here, yeah. right? Like he's by far the best actor in the movie.
1: Yeah. I'd be safe to say that. Even though everyone in this movie gives a really good performance, but Sean Connery was what stood out to us.
0: Yeah. I mean, your, fa- your favorite moment with, uh, Connery. Like, that really showcases, like, why he won Best Supporting Actor for this. okay, okay, yeah. What's what's the Oscar moment?
1: Well, speaking of that, that was kind of surprising that this was the only movie that he won an Oscar from.
0: I think it was the only one he was nominated for.
1: That's why it was so weird with all the performances that he's put in, you know, through his entire career. It was like, he just was nominated once, and, I mean, he won the one time, but it was just like, he's done so much film-wise. How does this man not have more Oscars?
0: Well... Okay, going on this tangent, Sean Connery, to me, has always been an actor of iconography, right? Yeah. Because the movies, like, the movies you remember Sean Connery for, I'm going to assume, are James Bond. Yes. And...
1: The Last Crusade.
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah, James Bond and The Last Crusade, right? Yeah. Because all the movies he was in, past, like, the 60s era Bond films... He kind of turned into this kind of role. He turned into supporting actor appearances. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really the lead. And if he was, it was kind of a played down role. Mm -hmm. And also he had a huge like career. He was in a shit ton of movies in his whole career. And yeah, he was like the best thing in most of them, but he was not, they were also not all Oscar movies. Yeah. You know, I love Time Bandits. That wasn't going to win Best Picture, you know? You you love uh, Last Crusade. That wasn't going to win Best Picture.
1: I know, but it's such a good movie.
0: Yeah. But
1: to go back to your original question, my favorite, you know, the the Academy Award winning scene that would have done it was when they're interrogating the guy in the cabin.
0: Oh, God. And they
1: have the guy that has been killed outside of the cabin and Sean Connery Malone goes and picks him up and throws him against the glass and very much dead, and he's you know yelling at him, puts his gun in his mouth. He's like,
0: he, he he's playing a performance to the guy, the the uh, accountant on the inside of the room where Elliot Ness is trying to trying to like get some info.
1: Yeah, Capone's accountant, one of his many accountants, and he won't you know admit what's in the ledgers. So Malone goes, you know what? I'm gonna scare the shit out of this guy, so I'm gonna use this corpse, let him think he's still alive, and. He puts on this performance where basically he blows the guy's head off because he counts down to three and he goes into the room and the guys, please don't hurt me. I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> and the, the mounty, because this is happening in Canada, he's just like, I don't know how you do things in Chicago, but we don't do that here.
0: No, no. He says, I don't agree with your methods, mm. Mr. Ness. And Ness says, you're not from Chicago. And they walk out and I he says it oh. like that. You're not from Chicago. And they walk out. And I'm like... I don't remember his accent being like that. Nah, it it, it is... I've uh, had the Mandela effect. I've inserted that memory where Kevin Ah. Costner speaks with the thickest Chicago accent you could think
1: of. Also, the Mounties were badass. You know, we're watching this movie that takes place in Chicago. I'm like, we end up in Canada and just seeing, you know, the U.S. and the Canadians work to take down Capone's men Mm -hmm. because... In the movie, one of the big conflicts is that Capone is getting whiskey from Canada and it's just Ness trying to make sure that he could, you know, intercept it and try to make sure that none of it gets on the streets because he's, you know, that's against the law. No one's drinking. None of my men are drinking.
0: Yeah, because that's who we get. Elliot Ness is the Boy Scout. Yes. And Malone is
1: not so much
0: the Boy Scout. He he He's he's the beat cop. He's the beat cop. He subscribes to the letter of the law, but he knows how the world works.
1: And he tells him, you know, you need me to be your tutor. And, you know, well, Ness is like, well, how'd you find this out? And he's like, you know, one thing about being a beat cop, you got to learn how to keep a secret. And it's just like, yeah, he's seen it. He's done it. He's not a Boy Scout, but he...
0: He knows what's up. He
1: knows what's up.
0: Yeah, like, my favorite sequence with, um, with Malone, Sean Connery's character, is is actually his death scene. Oh, yeah. Because, like, leading up to it, right, the assassin's coming in, and he pulls out the shotgun, which was already established in the movie that he keeps in his record player,
1: but, and I runs mean, him that, out, and
0: then he gets ambushed. And... That
1: entire scene, where he's just going about the house, checking, you know, every little thing, and you see the assassin kind of falling from room to room, and he loses him, and, oh, he, here he is, you know, messing with uh, the record player, and he's, you know, closing doors, and I was just like, damn it all you had to do is shoot him in the house but no he did
0: not he ran him off he just sent a message right he's like go tell your boss you know you failed and then we see that um the assassin the assassin nitty uh blows him down with like a bunch of squibs this is actually the first time in his career that sean connery had to have squib work done where Mm -hmm. they put squibs on him yeah and he said it was the worst experience as an actor he's ever had. Well, I mean. They put, granted, they put like 40 of them on.
1: Yeah, and he shot him like 50 times. And I was just like, my God. And then, you know, but, you see him crawling his way back into the house. And, the,
0: and there's the Oscar clip when Ness shows up and he's holding him in his arms. And Malone is trying to, like, show him something. He's trying to get that last breath out. And you feel the weight. You feel him giving up. But you feel how strong he's as a character. That's the Oscar clip for
1: me. Yeah, and. You know, Nest hands him his uh, Saint Jude medallion, and he's like, "Not this!" So he's like, "I'm trying to get the paper that's right there," and Nest's like, "This paper? Like, well, what other paper?" And you know, it, even it before he dies, so he well. he's still telling him, you know, "It's this, this, and that," and then he goes, So "It's like that is Malone in this movie."
0: It's such it's such a good, fun character. It really is. He really is the best part about the movie. Yeah, he is. But another part about this movie, which is good and surprising that it led to the success it did is kevin Costner as elliot ness
1: he was done you know acting before this but this was you know kind of his this jumping is the break yeah. yeah i mean
0: yeah this because after this he started doing um because i mean he Bandit did a Wolves, the uh, prince of the or robin Hood, prince of thieves uh water the yeah. bomb that was water yeah
1: i mean he was doing a ton of movies in the 90s i mean he's still in movies now but that was this was the jumping point to get him to where he was in the 90s
0: yeah and the 90s was like kevin costner was the superstar yeah. right but him in this movie do you do you think he's he's great in this movie or is he just turning in a a pretty good Kevin Cosner performance. Do you think? No,
1: so? I, I think he's good in this movie, but he's also playing the character who's a boy scout. Mm. So you know, we're seeing kind of him be straight laced. It's not till after he loses two of his men that he kind of you know tie,
0: gets a little grit to him. A little
1: bit of grit. The the tie comes undone, and you know, at the very end of the movie, where they ask him, you know, hey, if they end prohibition, what are you gonna do? gonna have a drink and it's just like seeing the the two yeah the the, the scale of you know where we meet him and where he ends
0: it's so, it's just so interesting to me that it's like this is the movie that launched him huh i mean you know it makes sense i made a bunch of money but i don't know it feels like he's just turning in a pretty good performance like I don't, I don't know i think i think every time i see kevin costner i'm like this is a man who got so lucky
1: no he's a good actor He's fine. He's, he's, he's okay. I mean, he ain't I, Sean
0: Connery? It's
1: not Sean Connery. I mean, no one's Sean Connery he ain't, except he, Sean Connery. He ain't even
0: Andy Garcia. In this. I think Andy Garcia does a better job. I,
1: I loved Andy Garcia in this movie, but granted, I love Andy Garcia, so it's I'm kind of biased in that. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, we grew up with um, Kevin Costner because we're '90s kids. Mm. But yeah, I, it was interesting to see him how he comes into this movie versus. How he changes. I mean, we see his first kill in the movie and how he's kind of distraught, but trying to hold it together because you still have gangsters that are shooting at you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's g- a good arc in the movie. It's just seems, I don't know. It might be a thing where it's just like, I've always like had a, had a thing. Like I could just, it's my own preconceived bias where it's just like, I could never believe Costner. I, I just, I just couldn't do it. I'm sorry. Why do
1: you look so suspicious? Like Costner has a secret or something.
0: I I don't know. He just looks like a guy where I'm like, I don't know. I don't trust this man. Oh I don't know why. My God, it's it's my it's my uh, Costner bias coming to light. I don't know. Like Dean I,
1: has some weird quirks, guys. I got a lot of them, but yeah, I
0: think he's doing a good job. It's just it's just a fascinating kind of kind of thing to me because we talked about this before. Where, man, this movie is pretty good. Yeah. It made how much fucking money? Oh, wait, what the fuck?
1: It's a good movie. I mean, it's very different from Once Upon a Time in America. But yeah, it's a good movie. It's a different way to see the mob life and prohibition. Because most mob movies are in New York. This one, we're in Chicago.
0: And it's, yeah, yeah, but it's also barely a mob movie. We're, we don't follow the gangsters, we're following the the law.
1: And speaking of gangsters, I think we have to talk about the baseball scene.
0: You're you mean the best scene in the movie? Yes, the the best scene by far.
1: Well, that and you know the one at the cabin.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, because this is where Robert De Niro finally gets to to act. Yeah. To be like, oh, now I get to own the scene.
1: It's not you know us getting a, a brief glimpse of him or him going into the hotel or out of the hotel. I'm like, no, this is a scene with De Niro. He's not getting a shave and hardly talking.
0: So, Boo, since De Niro is your boy, lay lay out the scene for us in Fair Verona where our story sets.
1: I will, my Juliet. So, (laughs) so, uh, Capone's having a dinner with all his men and historically, this is accurate, where it's this beautiful dinner party. Everyone's dressed up, you know, White gloves. It's so fancy. And he's talking about baseball, the all American pastime. And I'm just like, I know something wrong is going to happen. I'm like, you just get that gut feeling. And he just lays into this guy's head. And, you know, in true De Palma fashion, you got blood everywhere. Mm -hmm. You have that nice, you know, craning scene from the table where you just see the guy slumped over and the blood is just pooling onto the table. And I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, this is the scene where I was like, Capone's scary. Yeah. Because, I mean, up until this, we see Capone, you know, in the lap of luxury and...
0: Very jovial, yeah. joking with the press. We don't see him being an intimidating force. And then the scene happens, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, he is dangerous. Yes. But that's the thing, where it's the only scene where, like, oh, yeah, he's dangerous. Yeah. And it's, like, it's really hoping you let ride that scene for the rest of the movie to fear Capone. Which, you know, yeah, it kind of works. But, man, I really wish we had a few a few more. A few more, like, De Niro scenes in this. I think yeah. this movie could have been two and a half hours. I think it have been fine.
1: Yeah, I, we definitely did more more De Niro in this movie than we got. Because we had only that one scary scene with him. But Nitty was the one that was scary throughout the entire movie. Yeah, I mean let alone this being the first time I watched it, the little girl gets blown up like less than five (laughs) minutes into the movie. Yes, And I'm like, are you kidding me?
0: (laughs) I love that that was the thing because it literally is like the first fucking scene of the movie and you were like, wait, no. No, 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 no. And then it blows up and you're like, I don't know if I want to watch the rest of this movie anymore.
1: I was just like, what are they going to do next? I mean, that was enough to surprise me. I was just like, wow, you just did this little girl, girl dirty who was in there to get stuff for her mom because she was sick.
0: Yeah, but it uh, sets up that Chicago's a dangerous place.
1: And I thought, which was a really smart scene later in the movie, and it was so simple, too, is when Nitty's parked across the street from Ness's house. If and, you got a
0: beautiful family, Ness.
1: Oh, yeah. is it your little girl's birthday? And it was just like, you know, him kind of playing on, and then Ness kind of figures out, oh, shit, he could have taken out my family, and we're just having...
0: Puts him in protection, and...
1: We're having pleasantries here on the street, and I love that kind of, um, like you were saying earlier, where De Palma kind of played on Hitchcock a little bit with the suspense.
0: Oh, he does that in all of his movies.
1: And we get that when Ness is running up the stairs, and he opens up his daughter's bedroom, and she's not in the bed. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, he kidnapped her, and he just sped away in the car, and then you pan over, and she's coloring at her desk. I was just like, oh... Like, my heart, like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who's like, this movie is playing with my emotions.
1: I'm like, I just saw a little girl get blown up. I don't want to see another one get, you know, kidnapped and murdered. I'm like, what is this movie trying to do to me?
0: Uh, But that's like the... I guess, let's talk about De Palma here, right? Yeah. Because Brian De Palma is one of these directors that I feel too many people forget about. Because he was in the same group of guys as, like, Spielberg and Scorsese and (laughs) Lucas and all those guys. Copeland, all those guys he's in the same group of them right and he doesn't really get the same recognition even though he's made movies like like um carrie blowout uh scarface, scarface. and i think that's so so unjust he was the first director to use robert de niro they met in college mm-hmm. he gave him his first like film role and i'm like what the hell like why does, why does one talk about brian de palma anymore and in this movie he shows off he has the long takes uh especially the elevator one yeah where it's, it's it all... is
1: so gruesome too
0: oh the elevator sequence is super gruesome but it's all done in this one long take and everything's a motivated move and and it's a thing where he is playing off a lot of hitchcock where oh we set up that oh there's something dangerous <laughs> going to happen over here and we're going to go away from it and the audience is going to be like but, but but what's happening over there i need to see what's going on over there is is somebody dead Oh, shit, and it's the suspense build-up, and it's really well done. Yeah. Like, the palm is one of the best Hitchcock mimics in cinema.
1: Yeah, and it's very well done in this movie. I mean, to kick it back to the elevator scene, just them realizing, Malone and Ness, that their other buddy's in trouble.
0: Yeah, because uh, George is in the elevator because he's taking... Um, the accountant or whatever, he's gonna take him to booking or it's questioning. Not, it's herself.
1: not George. It's um.
0: Oh, oh, it's, it's
1: the accountant. Yeah,
0: um, I I forget his name.
1: Me uh, too. Um, Oscar is that his name? I think so.
0: Sure, we'll go with Oscar. So yeah, Oscar yeah. puts him into the um into the elevator, and he's taking the accountant taking to booking or whatever.
1: Yeah, he's taking Capone's accountant to booking, and we see that an officer is guiding them to to booking and. You just know something bad's gonna happen.
0: And when they get into the elevator, and that officer turns around, and you see it's Nitty, the the uh, assassin, mm-hmm. and the door closes, and we're like, "Well, well, but well, what what's what's gonna happen?" But the camera doesn't go in there; it follows Ness and Malone until we hear the gunshots, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: it goes back in. And but it's like,
1: it does show him shooting uh, the accountant point blank in the head. Yeah, and then I think it pans away when he shoots Oscar. Yeah, it, so if we find.
0: We We find the results of it.
1: Yeah. And it's just completely horrific, you know. He kind of has Oscar, like, hanging up on the wall.
0: Yeah, and he, like, mounted him like an animal, and he wrote in blood, like, touchable on the wall. And it's, it's, it's a really gruesome scene, but it's the halfway point that really motivates Ness, that, you know, things are escalating. And that's a lot of what the movie is. It's Ness realizing things are continually escalating, things are getting more dangerous, and he has to basically go beyond what he originally set out to do, and that was, I will catch uh, Al Capone by whatever means are legally available to me. And it's like, you're going to have to go beyond that. Like, what are you willing to give to catch this guy? And that's the whole movie.
1: And we see, you know, the, the corruption side of this movie. We see the chief of police who sees Nitty walking away, In a police uniform while two of his men or well, one of his men's been murdered and a suspect has been murdered and he doesn't say anything. He just ignores it
0: because he's on the take.
1: He's on the take. So it's kind of sad to see that it's, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to protect the city and the people of this. But my other boss is telling me I got to look the other way.
0: Yeah. And that's the and that's the movie.
1: Well, we're, we're missing one big scene.
0: Uh, one big scene,
1: A train station scene.
0: Oh, you mean you mean the Odessa steps? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that sequence is a huge homage to a um a movie called Battleship Potemkin, mm-hmm. where it uses a lot of montages on these steps, and I, the way De Palma does it is such a, like a masterwork because it's it's suspense. It's a scene that's so slow. But it's slow, so it shows you everything that's going on. And it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And
1: then you incorporate a mother and her baby into this scene. Because it'd be different It if it was just these men on the steps having, you know, a gunfight. But you've got a mom and her infant child trying to get out of this train station.
0: Trying to pull it up the stairs.
1: And Ness is the one that's like, well, ma'am, I'll help you. But, oh, my targets are here. Well, what do I do? And it well,
0: turns into a shootout and it is a pretty good shootout like it whatever like bad things i have to say about the movie the shootout is not one of them the shootout's real good yeah like they're they're like popping guns you know i stone like does a baseball slide saves the baby and he's still like shooting and it turns into a hostage situation
1: i mean you've got the baby and the carriage rolling down these stone steps and you're just like and it's not like it's going fast it's going slow
0: is, it the, is the whole sequence
1: in slow-mo? It feels like they slowed down the film. It's just like, okay, what's going to happen to the baby? Is a bullet going to go through the carriage? Is the carriage going to flip? And I thought it was interesting that the baby was actually the stunt person's son. <laughs> and he was just like, you know what? I'm a professional, and... I trust my work, so I'll put my child in there. I know that my work <laughs> is going to protect him in this scene. He's probably
0: like, "Don't worry, this will get my uh, my infant son a SAG card. It'll just, be great." Just don't
1: tell his mom, okay? Like, <laughs> pretend like this didn't happen.
0: Oh, uh, and it, it is such a uh, a good sequence. That is that is probably the part of the movie where if you're going to go back to watch it, like that's the that's the part you want to watch. If any scene in isolation, that one's real good.
1: Yeah, because we see uh, Capone's accountant early and he's killed earlier in the film but we have capone's like like close close accountant who is being transported and this is why the gunfight happens and it's the whole thing of him being held hostage by one of capone's men where he's like you know i'm gonna blow his brains you're not gonna get any information and the accountants if you save me i will tell you anything you want
0: Please, I don't want to get got.
1: And it's just this, you know, kind of countdown. Are they going to be able to save this man or is he going to be killed and that's it?
0: And it's such a good dialogue and cat and mouse between them. And then Elliot Ness is like, George, you got him. You got him. And Andy Garcia, George Stone is like, don't worry, Cap. Got him in my sights. And it's one of those things where now the payoff of Stone being an ace shot is finally (laughs) happening. Yeah, and I'm like, pay off. It's here, and, and he I mean, and he
1: does the shot while using his knee and his other arm to hold up the baby carriage, <laughs> and he's just like, "Got him!" <laughs> Blows his head off, and like, "Damn, yeah, I ca- I called a stone.
0: Oof, it stone." It's it's a such a good sequence. Yeah. Huh. Um. What else do you wanna wanna hit on this movie? Anything else?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like we talked about just about everything that happened in this movie. I mean, I really wanted to see more of Capone and his gang. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I get it. You know, we're we're talking about the Untouchables. We kind of have to see how they formed and how they became, like, a tight-knit group.
0: Yeah. My thing is, it's a, it's a good movie. It's a lot of action. Yeah. And I was like, I could have used a, maybe a few more, like, dialogue character stuff. Because, like, Ellie and Ness is, is the Boy Scout Boy Scouts. Yeah, But, you know, I could have... I could have stand to know a little bit more going on there, but yeah,
1: because I mean, you know. we we have the court scene, and I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, that's how the movie's going to end. No, it ends up in another another gun battle of leading out of the court. It does. And I'm like, okay, like let's go. It's uh, Ness versus Nitty, and they're you know running around, and they're up on top of the roofs, and I was just like, okay, I'm like, let's see. I'm like, he's going to shoot him off the roof. No, wasn't expecting to see him shove him off the roof. Nope. And I was just like, holy shit.
0: Because that's the Chicago way.
1: That's the Chicago way. I didn't need my gun. I'm just going to throw you off the roof.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I overall, this is a, re- this is a good movie. This is a really yeah. good movie. I would recommend it, but, you know, it, it might not be everybody's cup of tea. That would probably be my only thing yeah. about it. If you're into kind of, you know... 90s actiony 80s or sorry 80s actiony movies this is this is definitely up for it um but yeah boo any any last words before we uh move on
1: no i like you i think this is a really good movie uh it's a different take on prohibition i'd recommend it give it a watch it was very entertaining good pace too it didn't feel like it was
0: did not feel two hours
1: didn't feel two hours it also didn't feel like it slowed in certain spots like it kept going consistently Mm -hmm. um but speaking of de palma yes our movie next week happens to also be by de palma
0: Ooh, another film by de palma is it something we've name dropped in this episode
1: i believe so
0: oh is it blowout it's not. Damn it!
1: Next week we're gonna be talking about Scarface.
0: Ooh, Scarface! All right, I'm excited. I did, God. Uh, I think the last time I saw Scarface was like two or three years ago. It was also like the first time I saw Scarface.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised when you told me you'd never seen it before.
0: It was like it's like the one of the only two movies that my parents were like, "You're not gonna watch fucking Scarface. You could watch everything else, but you're not gonna watch fucking Scarface."
1: And I, I grew up with this movie, so. Yeah, yeah, you know I've seen it a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited.
1: As am I. It's a good movie. Lots of action.
0: Yes, and we're finally going to get away from De Niro. We're going to Pacino now.
1: We're going to Pacino, and we're also going to a different part of the country.
0: Yes, and if you wanted to join us, where can they go to find us?
1: Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
0: Yeah, you can go over to our YouTube channel, In The Frame. That's In The Frame on YouTube. Go comment, subscribe, like, whatever you want to do. It's a lot of fun.
1: And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Film Club Podcast.
0: And with that, boo.
1: We'll see you next week at The Film Club.
0: Have a good week, everybody.